I'm going to read the scriptures Thank you. Uh, and Mark's going to uh, preach the word to us uh, in a moment. We're going to be reading and, and Mark's going to be preaching from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 beginning at verse 14. So if you'd like to uh, open your Bibles there, chapter 3 verse 14 of Timothy and 2 uh, Epistle. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learnt it and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Well, thank you, Mark, and thank you, Dr. Thompson, for the invitation. It's just a wonderful privilege. I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, I've asked a couple of people and they thought it was a good idea, so I hope that you think it might be as well, especially by the time we get to the end. And that is that I'm going to preach the sermon that I preached at the ordination of those three guys in December of last year. I hope it doesn't feel fake, but the reason I'm doing that is because I think it gives you a little bit of an insight into who I am, uh, a little bit of insight into the needs of our diocese, and a little bit of insight into what I expect of people who uh, I will ordain and who will come and serve in our diocese. Why? Why would Wally, Andrew and Stephen be committing themselves to ministry in the 21st century? If your family and friends of those being ordained but not usually found in church, you may have come asking that question. Why is my brother, my son, my nephew, my cousin, my old mate, my school friend taking this enormous step? I mean, surely the church has had its day. Why would they leave a good career or their former studies to take this new path? 
It's not about the money, although clergy generally are well looked after. It's not about the prestige. Long gone are the days when clergy were upheld as pillars of society. In fact, tragically, now quite the opposite. It's not about future employment prospects. There's no real career path or corporate ladder to climb set before the clergy. Uh, there's only one bishop in this diocese and he still has seven years to go. So what, what is this about? It's because they have the best news imaginable for a world in need. For a world that's lost its way, they know the way. For a world with many questions about what truth is, they know the truth. For a world that's looking for a way of making sense of life, they know life. We could go on. For a world that's floundering about in the dark, they have light. For a world which in many ways and in many places is hopeless, they have hope. In a world that, looks to say, that likes to say, look, if God just turned up in person, I believe, they know that in the person of Jesus Christ. God did just turn up. Turned up to reveal himself and to show us the brilliance and depths of his love. Yes, Wally, Steve and Andrew have great news. Life-changing, life-giving news for a world in need. And if you want to know more, please ask them, put their training to the test and ask them what's so good about this good news that you want to spend the rest of your life sharing it. But it's to those being ordained. Perhaps some of you here being ordained next year. I must now turn. Here's the verse I want to explore with you. And I want you to leave here ringing, ringing, with it ringing in your ears. And never forget it all the days of your ministry. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So in that Bible reading that um, Mark read for us, that verse, preach the word, is chapter 4, verse 2. And I want to look with you briefly this morning at what it means, why it matters, and how to do it. The letter from, this passage, from which this passage is taken is from a church leader on his way out to a church leader on his way in. Timothy is being mentored, prepared for leadership. He, it seems throughout the letter that he's a little reticent to face aspects of his new role. He's a little timid. So early church leader Paul is exhorted him not, exhorting him not to be backward in coming forward. When he says preach the word, you could argue that for us that means preach, teach the whole Bible because that is where we find this life-changing hope for the world. Preach the word, the word that came from God to us in the Bible. Because it is, as people understand the Bible, that lives will be turned right way up. In my address to the Synod of the Diocese last year in September, I said that we must become a church which makes disciples. And I asked the question, how is it the disciples are made? And part of the answer I said was through teaching, teaching the Bible, so that people in our churches know what being a disciple means and have a deep assurance of God's love for them and so that those who don't know Jesus get to know Jesus. There's so many people in our churches across our diocese, and I didn't say this in the sermon last year, um, who have no idea. 
there's been such poor teaching. It's very little with clarity about the gospel, very little who have assurance of salvation. It's, it's so sad. So how will we see disciples grow and, and people become disciples across the, the central and western New South Wales? It is as our clergy preach the word. And I exhorted Andrew, Wally and Stephen to give of themselves to that task, whether that be through Sunday preaching, uh, reading with the Bible with people one-on-one, it might be in a small group, it might be in a pastoral visiting context, it may be just when you're out and about in the community, meeting someone down the road for coffee. But preach the word, help people to understand the Bible, for it is as people understand the Bible, as you inspire them and enable them to read it for themselves, that they will be transformed, that their confidence in the gospel will grow. And as their confidence in the gospel grows, then they get excited about sharing the good news with others and their love for the Lord Jesus deepens. The phone rang in Noosa, in the office, when I had only been there about three or four months. And a couple who had lost a wedding ring asked if I would bless the new one that, I, that they'd bought. Uh, my, immediately, my immediate thought was, I don't bless rings. And my second thought was, I told my secretary, by all means, have them come in and I'd love to meet them, of course. So I readily met them, struck up a very easy rapport with them, asked God's blessing more particularly on their marriage, and they started coming to church as a result of that conversation. They took my little Jesus Explained course and seemed to love every minute. And I well remember Mike's comment when he realised that we were not put right with God on the basis of our own efforts, but only through Jesus' death and resurrection. And he said quite indignantly, and I'll delete the expletive, but he said quite indignantly, I've been in and out of church all my life. Why didn't anyone tell me this before? Well, someone may have told him before, but he might not have had a mind to listen, but it's possible that he hadn't heard it before either. Brothers and sisters, preach the word. Your people will love it and you'll find that they're hungry for it. Let me ask though, why does Paul add in season and out of season? Because there'll be times when you feel like doing it and times when you don't. There'll be times when people are keen and interested and times when they're not. There'll be times when people agree with you and get on board and times when they don't. But you have to press on even when it's hard. And what will be the purpose of the teaching? (laughs) To correct, rebuke and encourage precisely the role of Scripture itself at the end of the previous passage. Did you notice? Exactly the same purpose. Scripture we read there is from God. God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. My brothers and sisters, teach and equip people. Rebuke, correct, train people through the word, in season and out of season, so that people will either grow in their devotion as Jesus' disciples or, please God, might become disciples of Jesus. Well, if that's what it means, let's look secondly at why why it matters. Why will this be important? Well, it's not just a church growth strategy, though people will grow through this means. It's not just how to fill up your time because you're at a loss to know what to do. No, no, two reasons the passage itself says it's important. One given before the exhortation and one comes after. It matters 
because Jesus will one day appear and judge the living and the dead. Now, that's a great thing that Jesus is going to do that because his appearing will bring justice and right wrongs and end evil. But the way you prepare people for Jesus' return is to preach the word, to ground them in the glorious news that they can be forgiven and reconciled to God through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And as people turn to him and say sorry and to submit and submit to Jesus their king, then when he does return, they will stand before him without spot or blemish and with great joy. The other reason we matters, it matters, we're told, is because there'll come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. I think that time has well and truly arrived. And they'll just gather around them people who say what they want to hear, verse 3. It's so important that you ground your people in sound doctrine so that they are not easily led astray and indeed have no curious interest in false doctrine. So, brothers and sisters, preach the word so that your people are ready to meet Jesus when he comes and so that they are not easily led astray by what their itching ears want to hear. Well, we've looked at what it means, why it matters, finally, how to do it. How might a newly ordained minister go about this important task? How might a student minister right now go about this important task? What should be their approach? Well, the passage tells us, with great patience and careful instruction. That is, your approach should never be as a tyrant. It should never be with arrogance, uh, coming on from on high because I've been to more college, but by coming alongside people with love and gentleness and slowly but surely, methodically and systematically. And when it gets hard, when people no, want, no longer want your sound doctrine, when they prefer their own way, well then the passage tells us, keep your head, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Keep your head, don't lose the plot. Stay steady. Endure hardship. Hardship, there will be hard times. But don't walk away. Remain resilient in Christ, through Christ, and press on. And do the work of an evangelist. Why does he specifically mention that? Because passion for the gospel will be easily sucked away by those who want to compromise on the truth. So no matter what happens, keep sharing the wonderful news of God's love and forgiveness and discharge all the duties of your ministry, that is, when the going is hard, don't lose heart, be diligent, don't neglect your people. Think of the Apostle Paul himself and all that he endured, and yet because he persevered, he could say at the end, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the race, kept the faith. Friends, that's what you want to be able to say at your end, not in arrogance, but in thankful humility because of Christ. You want, to be say it, you want to be able to say at your end, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. So preach the word with love, with patience and endurance. What a great day it was when Andrew, Wally and Stephen were ordained. They'd only asked me or approached me in about July or August last year. But they were such a great gift of God to our diocese that we were delighted to send them out. 
the, their ordination was a culmination of formal training and the beginning of new opportunities and enormous privilege. To be involved in the very work of God in bringing life and hope and forgiveness and clarity of understanding, what a joy. What a joy it is for you to be involved in that work and now to be preparing for it. So good, well done, great. Keep going, good on you. To be used by God to make new disciples of Jesus and equip them in the faith, what a privilege. So I gave Wally and Stephen and Andrew that day this charge and I give you this charge today, students and staff alike. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Amen.